Thanks to you, our listeners, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is growing and is now available on more stations such as Facebook Video, Player.fm, iTunes, Verbal, and now on Amazon Audible. KRBN Internet News Talk Radio currently does not receive any funding to bring you these programs. However, we do ask that you hit that like button and tell your friends to help this station grow. And thank you again for your support. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Goldsevich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, Westland County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, where it's a steamy 90-something degrees right now. I actually don't haven't looked at the thermometer for an hour or so, but it's hot out there. But, you know, I remember one of the first summers I lived in Oregon, I think it was 96 or 97, and, and we ran a week of over 100 degrees in that summer. So um, it's not terribly unusual for the Willamette Valley, but it's been unusual to have a second wave of it this year. I mean, we had one wave earlier, and now we're into our second wave of, of 100 plus. Um, so all that hot weather and everything, uh, doesn't help our fire situation out there. And uh, folks just need to be careful. We've gone into extreme um, fire conditions for public use restrictions in both uh, the the Cascade um, and the West Lane fire protection areas, which means almost all of Lane County. You can't, you know, can't mow grass that's dry. You can't, no matter what time of day, you can't, um, <laughs> you can't have a campfire or a warming fire, even if it's in a fire pit. Period. Doesn't matter. And if you're wondering if it applies to you, you can dig out your Lane County tax bill and uh, look for the. On, on the detailed breakdown of where your taxes go, like all the various districts and cities and stuff and fire districts down at the bottom, if you're under the, the restrictions of ODF, you'll see two little things that are fire patrol assessments. If you have that fire patrol assessment on there, you are under the jurisdiction of the Oregon Department of Forestry when it comes to fire restrictions and all those things about warming fires, even in your backyard, you know, fire pit, not allowed. If you're not irrigating your lawn, you can't mow it right now. So just be aware of all that. No fireworks, period, you know, in those areas. And uh, just be careful out there because fire in these conditions is pretty bad. But, you know, we got a lot to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show, but it is a call-in show, and I'll remind folks of the number is 646-721-9887, and just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the show. And, in fact, as we came on, we had somebody call in and is waiting to talk to me, so we're going to bring Guy on 
Um, and Guy, I, I know you're a local school board member down there on the coast. What do you want to talk about? Hey Jay, how you doing? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a school board member here at Sayusaw uh, 97J, and uh, we're getting back to that time of the year where we're going to school, and of course the mask mandates have shown up. And uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to share some things that are coming out of the state that um, folks need to know about, and we need to understand why your school can't be the battleground of masks or no masks. Uh, so I don't know if you got the email I sent you yet or not, Jay, but I also posted it on the Facebook uh, post for, for folks to read. But basically what is coming down from the state is that OSHA will have the authority to investigate, find, and uh, bring up licensure issues against the school, the school districts, and the teachers. Basically what it comes down to is if uh, a member of your school decides not to wear a mask, that's a $500 per day per incident fine against your school. You know, you've got a couple of thousand students. You can see a budget can be eaten up pretty quick. The reporting of that is anonymous to OSHA. Additionally, if teachers see students, staff, or faculty without a mask and ignore it, their license is in jeopardy with the state of Oregon. Um, I mean, I, I I understand, and I'm a big proponent of little government gets the most done, but the state's taking away our authorities. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you don't want your school to be shut down over financial institutions, um, this is probably not the battlefield for the mass. And I know it's hard. I'm not in favor of masks. Um, I'm not in favor of forcing people to wear masks. If you want to wear a mask, I'm I'm perfectly in favor of that. Um, but and I think I think it's a problem with the kids. But as as our superintendent will tell you, it's about getting the kids back on campus for education, and we will, you know, <laughs> we will grind whatever whatever wheat that that quarry may require of us to get kids back in school to continue the education. Uh, from the state. So again, these are these are state mandates that are coming down to your school everywhere across the state, not just here in Lane County. Um, and yeah. it's going to make parents mad, um, and, and they're going to want to fight. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. this the isn't a fight we can win. Yeah, and the school board can't do anything about it. I have a friend that's a teacher, and she teaches, I think, third grade or or whatever. But she has a couple students that are. Um, uh, uh, disabled in her class that are, you know, kind of mainstreamed. I think I, I don't know if I'm doing the, the correct wording or whatever, but they're behavioral issues with those students. And she's happy that they were just wearing the mask, but they were wearing them below their nose. And she was like, that's really good for them to even be doing it that well. And to argue with them about pulling it up over their nose versus having the kids screaming obscenities and, you know, throwing things uh, around the, the schoolroom, which is the other behavior they tend to, to go to if they're challenged on stuff. Um, and she's concerned that those kinds of students, someone's going to look in her classroom, see that, and she's going to personally be liable and fined and all and have her license, you know, up for grabs. It's a very... Um, 
top-heavy sort draconian, of thing. Draconian, I think, is the word you're looking for. Yeah, draconian is, is probably correct. And the problem is, is your local school board can't fix that. And the county right, it can't. Actually, right. It, it, yeah, has, it has nothing yeah, it has nothing to do with us. The um, the anonymous reporting from OSHA has no appeal process. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly hope this doesn't turn into a a revenge weapon, although it easily could for people yeah. to use against other people in schools where they've had problems. Um, but uh, again, I, I, I mean, we we just we did. We did a heck of a job, especially here at SISAW. I cannot say enough for the staff, the students, everybody here when all this came down. It was very scary. We did the best we could. We got through it. Um, what we don't want now is for the schools to become the battleground over the politics of masks. And um, yeah. I, I unfortunately feel that that's, kind of what the state set us up for. I mean, it's easy for the state to ignore the school boards, obviously, and it's really easy for the parents and the people in the district to get a hold of their school boards. Um, yeah. And so, again, I, I just, I'm starting to get the word out, hopefully through your show and, and a lot of other shows, uh, that, that this, this isn't a battle. There's any way we can win. And I think it's, you know, this is coming down from the governor's office and the, the place people have to put the pressure is at the governor's level. Um, we don't have the power at, as a county to overrule the state on education issues because we don't. that's not part of our matters of county concern, even as a home rules county. We're still a subdivision of the state, and education's been kind of pulled away from counties as far as having any jurisdiction. So we can't do anything about it. We can't declare ourselves sovereign from the rest of the state. Uh, and make the school districts within our our county sovereign from state rules. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. And the school boards can't do it either. And they're being threatened with such draconian fines and and licensure issues that it's just insane. Um, that people have to go to the governor. And I, you know, I I I broke her switchboard one time, and I may have to do it again. Um, when I asked people to call the governor about her, you know, some of her um, business closures and how they were, you know, not very science or data-based and all, you know, that that just, uh, it was kind of funny because I, I heard from several people about about how how angry she got over that effort, but it was very successful. And I think that's what we need to tell people to do. It's time to call the governor again. And you could probably go back in, in that Bo's Nose Show post, and there, the, the phone number for the governor is probably there. I used to have it memorized, and which and the number you're supposed to press to, to avoid listening to the entire um, voicemail menu uh, to get to where they actually record your message. Uh, but, yeah, we, we need to talk to the governor. And, you know, it's interesting. They're setting the school boards up for this battleground. She did the same thing with local governments over this whole mask thing. Like she, she said, I'm going to make this a county by county, and the counties now have jurisdiction over whether masks are required or any sort of restrictions are going to be put in place. The thing she didn't tell the public was, we don't have authority for that. 
there is nothing in county code or our charter that allows us to mandate wearing a mask in a private business. We don't license businesses, so we have no stick. And the other thing we don't have is we don't have any resource to enforce that. If we even had the authority to, to place a local mask mandate in place because you know our county's numbers were going up, which they are, um, and then she gets, you know, decides she's going to put in the statewide mandate today, and she spends her news conference talking bad about the counties that didn't do their job. Well, she basically set up a straw man that she wanted to beat up, which was she, she said she was giving this, you know, over to the counties to, to make decisions about, but didn't give us any authority or resources to do it. And when we failed at doing it, she got mad at us for failing, you know, on camera got mad at us for failing when she knew we couldn't do it in the first place. I know Noma passed a, a mask mandate, but you know what? They're still trying to figure out how they were going to enforce it. Fortunately, the governor stepped in and made that a moot point, but they had no idea under what rule they were going to actually enforce that and how they were going to collect fines if people didn't obey it. So it just it amazes me that this governor, under her authority that she gave herself, think about that. She declared this emergency and extended it multiple times and has defined her own powers under that emergency with no legislative support. Is that dictatorial and draconian? I mean, you, Guy and I are on the same page. We, we like government at the most local level possible. You know, and it's one of the reasons why I, I love being a Lane County Commissioner because for the 100,000 people that live outside city limits in Lane County, I'm your first level of government. And you can run into me at the local Fred Meyer or at Coffee Roasters when I stop down in Florence and recognize me, stop me, and tell me what you think. When's the last time you saw the governor at Coffee Roasters? So, guys, yeah, that's the way government's supposed to be. It is. And I imagine that you get stopped now and then down there to talk about school board issues like the mask mandate. But I'm hoping that maybe this show and and, and I'll try and echo that out there is, is this has been the control about masks for ch school children has been completely removed from local school boards and local well, and principals. I, and I, I want people to understand your school board cares. <laughs> your your school board is, is mostly made up of parents that have kids in the school. Mine have graduated now, um, but um, believe me, they're they're not excited about having kids forced to wear masks for any reason whatsoever. Um, you know, they certainly understand it may be necessary or it may not be necessary. I, I I'm not going to get into the science and the whys and the hows, but uh, your school board cares. However. Um, you know, the funding that everybody in this county pays their local taxes, I should say all the property owners in the county pay the taxes on the school, don't go directly to the school. They go to the state first, and then the state decides the, whether or not you're going to get the money back. Uh, additionally, if the state decides to start fining the schools, um, you know, the money doesn't show up. And at some point, as a school board member, 
you have to start asking yourself the question of, you know, am I running a political organization or am I running a school? Um, and, of course, you know, the board is, is made up of members that run the school collectively. It's not Guy Rosenbaum running the school by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, the board has to make those kind of choices sometimes, often to parents who just don't understand. And, and I get it. And, again, that's why I, I kind of wanted to jump ahead of this a little bit and get out and explain, you know, your school board cares. Believe me, they care. And I, whether you're in Lane or Eugene or here in Sayasaw or, or up in the, the hills, um, your school, I promise you, your school board cares. Uh, I, I, I meet with a lot of these folks. This is my second term on the school board. I, you know, the right, left, center, all the way through. They they all care very very much about this and um, wish that they could have a little more control over over these very things. Unfortunately, they don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I wish you luck um, with the the new mask mandate. You know, I, I kind of was a little bit concerned because I really feel like, particularly with some of the younger children. Um, the mask and that mask hygiene is not their uh, <laughs> strong point. They tend to get them very dirty and then chew on them at the same time if they even wear them correctly. So, um, yeah, it, it just concerns me. And it seems like it's a parental control issue for me, too. Parents should be allowed to choose whether their kids wear the mask or not. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I get where you are. I appreciate you calling and bringing this point up. And uh, if, I'm glad you reminded me because I was talking with, with my school teacher friend on Sunday, and I, I kind of completely had forgotten about that conversation until you called in. Um, and just that, that threat that's now hanging over every teacher in the state of Oregon that somebody can anonymously report them because one of their kids chooses to pull their mask off or something like that and stick their tongue out and somebody walks past the door right at that time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's no, just, it, it could be a bad thing. Yeah, it could really could. Yeah. 500 bucks right there. <laughs> right. One incident. Well, and, and, uh, and potential, potential license jeopardy. I mean, the, the school is the school district's going to pay the $500 fines, uh, but yeah. the teacher faces, you know, uh, possible revocation of their their license, um, and yeah. and that's you know that's their livelihood. Uh, that's scary. Okay. And, and you know, is there an exception for your special ed teachers? I, I didn't see one. However, I will check that out and get back to you and let you know. But um, I I didn't see one. Unfortunately, these particular fast and furious edicts I don't want to call them laws because they are not laws. Their edicts no. coming down from OSHA and the governor's office rarely think past the initial punishment of somebody doing something they don't want. They almost never seem to have any sort of uh, um, recourse for you know a second look or um, an appeal process. So basically, you know, if somebody was to call up anonymously and say something. And OSHA was to find the school and and you know and, and call for an, uh, a suspension of somebody's license. I guess that's it. Uh, and I you know if 
I guess if a yeah. bunch of teachers lose their license, I suppose the teachers union would probably start mentioning something to the governor's office, but uh, I haven't heard anything from them yet. Um, I'm hoping to. Um, I would hope they would want to start protecting their their constituents. But, again, yeah, yeah. I'm sure another edict will just come down out of the governor's office. Uh, that's the way this has been handled all the way along. And, I mean, there's a reason why we all agreed to live under the Constitution and, and to the way laws and whatnot are supposed to be made. Uh, unfortunately, apparently, our current state government has decided that that's not the way it's going to work anymore, and they're going to just issue edicts. So we got to live with them. Yeah, they kind of forgot about that part of the preamble that says, with the consent of the governor. Yeah, most definitely. But yeah, that's All that's right. what I wanted to bring to you, Jay. And I appreciate your time and um, you know helping to get the message out. I certainly know the county can't do uh, much to anything other than scream along with us. And I know you're going to, and, and some of the other county commissioners will as well. Um, yeah. And as far as the, the fires and whatnot, man, I hope they get those things under control. I'd, some rain would be really, really nice. Yeah, it would be. But, you know, this not just not time of year usually happens. So I'm hoping we get an early fall. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for calling, sir. Guy. You Indeed. bet. Thanks. So Guy showed that, you know, all you have to do to, to take the topic on the Bose Nose Show in the direction you want it to go is just give us a call here. Again, at 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press 1 so Robin knows you want to get in on, on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And, you know, I want to continue talking a little bit about COVID and all because, you know, we, the Lane County Board of Commissioners, um, passed an emergency public health advisory yesterday. Now, the difference between what the governor did with the mandate today and what we did yesterday is our request for people to wear a mask was voluntary. It was a request, not a mandate. Although it's kind of funny because KVAL's first story they put up online made it sound like it was a mandate in their headline. And a lot of people didn't read past that headline, didn't read the actual order, and I got multiple people going, what are you doing mandating masks? It's like, we're not mandating anything. (laughs) It is an issue right now, no matter how you look at it. And, you know, I'm one of these people, show me the numbers, and I'll consider it a problem. A week ago on this show, I was telling people I wasn't ready to, to, you know, light my hair on fire, run around screaming, because we were looking at numbers of hospitalizations ICU usage, and people being put on ventilators that were very close to the same numbers we had last June when we were removing restrictions on COVID prevention. So I wasn't ready to to declare there's some emergency that we needed to start going backwards. Well, in that intervening seven days, it's like we just saw an exponential increase in the the usage of hospital beds, ICU beds, and people being placed on ventilators to the point where we are now higher in ICU usage than we were ever at any time during the pandemic in this state. We're using more beds now by a, you know, about 30 
We're using 170-some ICU beds now for COVID patients. And we're up to close to 600 beds in just hospitalizations, which was the peak that, of, that we ever used hospital beds last November, at the end of last November. And we're right at the same thing with ventilations. We're right at the peak. So we're at the peak or beyond it with all three of those numbers. And that's concerning because they're on the upswing still. They're lagging, you know, hospitalizations lag cases. ICU uses lags hospitalizations. And, of course, deaths lag them all. Um, so we are just seeing uh, a continued spike in cases, um, and that's due to that, that Delta variant that's out there. And if you go into some of the more scientific papers online now, um, they're estimating the Delta variant to be at what they call an R sub-zero or R, R zero, which is a measure of how contagious the disease is. And R sub-zero of one basically means if one person has a disease, they'll give it to one other person. That's the easiest way to explain it, although the variables and how they calculate that are, you know, really significant. There's all sorts of pieces to that. Um, if you have an R sub-zero of two, then that person gives it to two people. And those two people give it four, four of them give it to eight, and you know, it grows exponentially. So you can see if that number gets over one, it's problematic. The, the ideal thing is to get the number below one, which means the disease is actually decreasing in your population. And we are seeing that, you know, the original COVID virus had an R sub-zero estimated around three. And that's why it spread so fast and grew exponentially at, at, the, at the front end of the pandemic. What we are seeing with the Delta variant is behavior that is now being estimated at an R0 of eight. That's more than two and a half times more contagious. That's right around where measles sits as an R0 of eight. To, you know, measles can be as much as 16. Um, that's why it's such a, a problematic, um, you know, pathogen when it comes to public health folks why they go why they why they light their hair on fire when they start seeing measles cases um, because it is so contagious um, but the delta variant is looking really contagious and it, and it's spreading fast and particularly in that unvaccinated population people go well isn't the vaccine working yes it is yes there are breakthrough cases they tend to be less severe that record-setting hospitalization, over 90% of those are unvaccinated people. That record-setting ICU bed usage, over 95% of those are unvaccinated people. And when they're, when they're talking about deaths here in Oregon, it's closer to 99% of the deaths are unvaccinated people. So, yes, some vaccinated people are getting this Delta variant, and yes, they can get it to the extent they can actually spread it to others, where there's, there's a high enough viral load that they can actually be contagious, um, which is why, 
as we were recommending people to start wearing masks again, we didn't separate it between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. We're trying to protect everybody. And for me, it was important to do that also, because if we had said only unvaccinated people need to wear masks, well, what does that bring on next? Vaccine passports. And I do not support any sort of separating our society into two classes of people between those that have chosen to get a medical, you know, procedure and those that have not. You know, that is really, I, I, I will not go there. I would rather make, you know, if we're going to ask people to wear a mask, everybody wear a mask. So we don't have to do that show me your papers thing. Um, you know, I just, it, it's. Not something, not a place I ever want to go. So we ask everybody to mask up again because we are looking to try and take that eight RO and push it down as close to one as we can. And and the way you do that is, you know, one of the easiest ways to get vaccinated. But of course, right now, if you're talking about the Pfizer vaccine, you know, you got to get the vaccine. Got to wait three weeks, get the second dose, and then two more weeks till you're fully, you know, protected. So it's five weeks. So that's kind of a longer term solution. But even just getting the first dose protects you to a, to a certain extent. So starting the vaccine, you know, go out there and get it. The, the next thing, best thing you can do is this, you know, basically social distancing and controlling who you're in contact with and limiting your circle, your bubble. Um, and that social distancing is very effective. Good hygiene, the washing your hands, is another way that you can knock down a little bit of that RO towards one. And then, and then wearing masks, it, it, you know, isn't, I will never say it's the end all. It doesn't stop 100% of transmissions, but it stops some of them. And it's building on all those blocks. You wear the mask, you try and limit the number of people you're around and stay six feet apart. You wash your hands, you try not to touch your face, you know, and you get vaccinated. You start doing all those things and suddenly you're driving RO down below one and the case count's going down. So that's, you know, that's really what our emergency public health um, advisory was about is we're just seeing incredible numbers. In fact, the number of contagious people in Lane County that we're trying to track and do contact tracing on is up to 1,000. That's double the largest number we ever had in the pandemic. And it's to the point where our contact tracers can't call everybody. We're, we're running out of capability. And we're also having problems with people not calling our contract tracers back and I want to just assure anyone that's hesitant about calling the county back once you've been contacted about COVID, we will not disclose you publicly as having COVID or being having been exposed to COVID. That is not something we do. So I just want to uh, assure people, you know, to cooperate with, you know, they can cooperate with our contact tracing staff um, with no fear of being publicly <laughs> exposed. You know, there's all sorts of rules of why we can't do that called HIPAA. 
and a few other things. We're not going to uh, expose you publicly uh, or anything like that. So don't be afraid of calling us back because uh, the quicker we can, you know, help people get isolated, understand how they need to isolate, you know, find out who they may have been in contact with in the last 14 days, help those people understand isolation, um, the faster things will, will get fixed here. That's one of the ways you also interrupt that, that transmission chain. You know, it's, it's layers of prevention. You know, contact tracing and isolation is one layer of prevent, preventing transmissions. Vaccinations is another layer. Wearing a mask is another layer. Washing your hands is another layer. You know, social distancing and controlling your bubble uh, is another layer. All those layers kind of, you know, the the uh, the analogy that gets used by our public health people is each one of those is like a, a slice of Swiss cheese. It has holes in it. It's not perfect. But if you start taking a bunch of different slices of Swiss cheese and randomly stacking them together where the holes aren't matched up, eventually you're going to have something that you can't see through, you know? Or there's going to be maybe just one small area that you can see all the way through all those slices. And, and probably the slice that has the least number of smallest holes in it is the vaccine. So um, that's what we're urging people is to try and you know, help us put some of those you know, slices together and those layers of prevention and um, you know, be tolerant of, you know, if you're one of those people that just doesn't believe it all and, and, and you think your immune system's strong enough to deal with this and, and you're not gonna participate, at least don't give trouble to the store that decides they want to, to ask people you know, to put masks on. And now the governor's gone beyond um, our advisory and actually mandated mask anyway. The store clerk can't change that. Even the store manager can't change that. And, you know, getting mad at them is not useful. You want to get mad at somebody, call the governor's office. We're back to call the governor. In fact, I'm going to have to probably look up the governor's phone number again, and I'll be, you know, maybe putting it on the on the show uh, uh, Facebook page because really, when it comes down to the the school mask mandates, the the new mask mandates out in, in indoor settings, it's not the county, it's not the school district that can control that. It's the governor because it's the executive branch, OSHA, and OHA report to the governor. She, you, you know that they're not implementing all those rules without her okay. And in fact, she's the one that made the announcement on the mask mandates today while belittling counties for not doing something they couldn't do in the first place. Hey, um, so I just, can you tell I'm a little bit upset about that whole blaming the counties routine the governor went through it was so specious and just cheap such a cheap shot you know and just knowing that makes me even more want to encourage people to call the governor's office and express your opinions around mandates and around her emergency powers that she declared and gave herself and extended 
You know, last time I checked, we were a representative republic. And we have representatives in Salem that are supposed to create law. The executive branch is supposed to execute law and manage the branch, you know, the executive branch of government and the day-to-day operations of our government. It's not supposed to create law. Well, so the Delta variants out there, um, I hope people don't not believe in it. I hope people understand the vaccine does work. It's just not perfect. It was never promised to be perfect. That, you know, we knew that there was a chance people could still get the disease even after they were vaccinated. What we do know is it significantly reduces the severity of the disease if you do get it. There's a good chance you will never get it having been vaccinated. But that's, you know, I just, I I would encourage people to kind of understand that we've had 352 million doses of the vaccine issued in this country. But we've had 36 million cases of COVID with 616,000 deaths. So uh, I think with 352 million doses out there, if there was some hideous side effect that was common, we'd have known about it by now. It's, you know, what few side effects and and serious and and even the deaths that have occurred have been extremely rare and, and limited. So, you know, I would encourage folks to talk to their medical providers Talk to your friends and your family about getting vaccinated and uh, and seriously think about it if you're unvaccinated, because just remember, 90% plus of our hospitalizations, unvaccinated people. And as we start hitting our capacity in our hospitals and our ICUs, that is going to lead to more serious outcomes. If we can't properly treat people that are you know, seriously ill with COVID and they don't, can't get into an ICU, can't get ventilated, that's when we start seeing the deaths start increasing. So really, um, please pay, pay attention to this. Um, you know, I, I've constantly been a critic of when we've gone overboard with restrictions or restrictions didn't make sense with where the, where the transmissions were happening. Um, you know, we, we should be really careful about this. And uh, at this time, the numbers and the data is showing that we need to do something or it's going to get out of control and exceed our capacity for our hospitals and intensive care units. So Robin looks like she's ready to chime in on this subject. What you got, Robin? I have a phone number. Ah, for the governor? The governor's office is 503 503- Three seven eight four five eight two, and press three to kind of bypass all the stuff. So once again, five zero three three seven eight 
4582 and press 3. Awesome. Uh, that number sounds very familiar. And you know what's funny? Um, there's a business that is 541-378-4582, and they got slammed with phone call. So please oh, be careful. <laughs> 503 number. The last time I did that, yeah, they got just at people weren't careful. 503. Remember, you know, the governor's, you know, very Portland-centric. <laughs> so I have the 503 number. 503-378-4582 and press 3. And, Robin, if you don't mind putting that up in the comments on our Facebook post um, on the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page, I'd appreciate that. My so, and I, I may put a post up, you know, clarifying that this is this is beyond the control of school districts it's beyond the control of your counties if you have an issue with mandates and the governor's emergency powers she's exercising as part of those mandates you need to call the governor and you know what's interesting is she does react to that pressure because it was shortly after that effort she changed the rules and started relaxing some of those business restrictions that were completely, you know, out of line, and particularly for Lane County, because we, at the time we were being so impacted by the University of Oregon's heavy testing of the student body. We were testing at a rate per 100,000 far above other counties because of how much testing was be, being done at the U of O, which is a good thing. It kept things under control at a certain level at U of O, but it made our numbers look horrible and we kept we stayed under extreme risk longer than a lot of other counties because of that. Um, but I will say, and I put this up on a post on my my page, the zip code map now for cases that that nine seven four zero three zip code that's the University of Oregon has less cases than the Springfield zip code and some other areas of Lane County per hundred thousand. So um, can't blame the U of O. They're not in session right now. This is not a U of O created surge in Lane County. And we are at a cases per 100,000 that far exceeds a level we were ever at anywhere in the pandemic. We're over 270 cases per 100,000 right now, active cases in Lane County. So that's just, you know, we, that has to come under control. Well, we're going to start seeing some real problems. In fact, I know of a problem that has already come about because of this Delta variant and some of the outbreaks. You might have heard that, you know, 13 people got, got the virus at the Lane County Fair over the four or five days it was going on. That really wasn't much of an outbreak. What you probably didn't hear is there's two major restaurant supply where wholesalers here in Lane, in the Lane County area. And one of those two wholesalers had a major outbreak in their warehouse and had to shut down. Well, thanks to that shutdown, restaurants, independent restaurants that aren't part of a chain where they get their food all from the chain frozen on a truck, <laughs> you know, if you're not McDonald's, or Pizza Hut, um, you're an independent local restaurant, like several of them here in Veneta, 
They've had to shut down. They can't get food. We've got to get control of this current surge. It'll impact businesses even if we don't, even if the governor doesn't start her crazy shutdown schemes that she was doing last time. You know, we need to protect, you know, those warehouse workers. You know, folks have got to start wearing their mask again inside. Folks have got to get their vaccines. Folks have got to wash their hands and, and try and maintain their distances. Because, you know, we got restaurants shut down now. And, you know, restaurants got slammed during this whole pandemic and are barely surviving. And then when they come back on, suddenly there's a worker shortage where they're having to pay their workers, you know, bonuses and extra, extra, um, you know, hourly wages and everything else. So they're hurting there because it's costing them more money and they're short staffed. So they're actually closed one day a week when they used to be open all seven days a week and things like that are happening to them. On top of that, I'm hearing from a friend of mine that runs a restaurant that her cooking oil for her fryers before the pandemic used to cost her about $75 a week. Post-pandemic, it's $150 a week because it's hard to get cooking oil. Now she can't get any food either, so she had to close the restaurant down. So, you know, we need to take some personal responsibility about not spreading this virus so our economy can survive and these businesses can survive and they can put people back to work. You know, it's it's not about, it's not, it's not, it's about you because you're protecting yourself, but it's also about protecting your family, your friends and your local businesses, the places you like to go. Remember how joyous it seemed all of a sudden to be able to go out to dinner and how nice it is was to go out without a mask on. I mean, the masks are coming back and, and, and we need to, so we can get back there again and get back to that, you know, because one of the things that happens with a virus is they mutate when they're inside, when they're in a host. We're the host folks. So the more this virus is around, the more chance that it will mutate and a new variant will show up and continue the pandemic. So the faster we can get control, push that RO down below one and head this, this, this virus off, which is going to take getting, you know, that, that 70 to, to 80% of the people vaccinated and I mean everybody um, vaccinated and uh, getting control of this. Um, we're going to continue to see variants as people, you know, the, every every case we have out there is the possibility of a new variant, and that's a scary thing. But that's just a, a nature of, of a virus, and particularly the coronavirus. Um, so we need to. We need to start really taking it seriously and, and, and slow the spread of this, this Delta variant and, and do those things to add those layers to prevention. So um, we'll remind people of the governor's phone number again later in the show. I want to remind you of our phone number, it's 646-721-9887. If you, you know, want to get in and, and 
challenge me about, you know, this isn't really a, a surge, it's all fake and all that stuff, we, we can talk about that. Because <laughs> I see the numbers. I know who's reporting the numbers. I know they're not faking them. So 646-721-9887. Just press one if you want to get on the show. Um, let's talk a little bit about fires for a minute. Um, and just, it's another place where we need to have some understanding. You know, I, I we need to be understanding of people that are scared I can't. I had people calling me that wanted it, wanting us to mandate masks because they're scared of Delta variant. There are people out there also that are, you know, from the Holiday Farm fire that are really in a bad way right now because of the fires that are burning in that Middle Fork complex, including one on 126 up the McKenzie. Um, we need to, you know, have some sympathy for those folks and be tolerant of, of their stresses and, uh, you know, lend a hand in all to those folks. And you can imagine the folks in Oak Ridge now, they've got a fire within two and a half to three miles of the city limits. And uh, there's areas of Oak Ridge that are on level two get ready status. Most of the areas on level one um, get is, no, that's ready. Sorry, set is the second one. <laughs> Get set is, is level two. Get ready status is level one. Um, but basically, level two is, you know, be ready when you get to level three, you have to leave then. Level three means leave now. It's not time to go start collecting your papers and all that stuff. That's level one. Level one means you better be putting all your, you know, critical papers together, your passport, you know, your, your health records, your dog's vaccination records and stuff like that, you know, all that good stuff in a, in a, in a good box, or whatever that you can stick in your car. And what you need to leave should be ready and, and packed. Uh, that means you, you better have a, your car gassed and, and be paying attention and listening for that level three. Because when you get that level three, it means go. And unfortunately, you know, last year for that holiday farm fire, we had people go from no level to level three. Um, and it's just, it's really uh, something that, you know, was, was a tough thing for those people. They didn't get to take anything, a lot of them. They lost everything. And now they're, you know, the fires around them are, are causing a lot of stress, which brings me to the issue of banning fireworks. Now, I know there's some people that, you know, are like, you know, why are we going to go get into another ban? It sounds like a mandate and all that government control. This is a sensible step. Lane County already, you know, as I, I discussed earlier about whether you're in a uh, ODF protected area, that is approximately 75% of Lane County is under ODF protection. There's a little wedge basically that that comes up the valley from about Cresswell and and most of it extends north of Eugene in the Coburg and Junction City areas that's not part of ODF protected lands. But during a summer like this, it's just as dry and just as capable of carrying wildfire 
as anywhere else, as we've seen some of these grass fires that have been started around some of the, you know, homeless camps and, and some of the grass fires have been started by automobile accidents. Um, we can have fires about anywhere on the landscape in Lane County once it's fire season. ODF declares fire season based on fuels and how dry they are, weather conditions, and several factors that they put together into a, a formula and look at the extended forecast. And they don't declare fire season lightly because once they declare fire season, it starts limiting recreational use of the forest, and it also starts limiting industrial use of the forest. So there's there's a lot of tourism and um, timber and other, you know, there's not just timber industrial use, there's also mushroom collecting and other things that go on in the forest. Um, they don't do that lightly. So they declare fire season, it's, a, it's time to stop doing stupid things with things that might ignite a fire. One of those things is fireworks. And I'm fully supportive of us getting the entire county on the same page. So it's not, so you don't have to go to your little statement from the, from the tax assessor and figure out if you've got a fire patrol assessment to whether you can set off fireworks or not. You'll just know it's fire season, it's not allowed unless you live inside some, a city limit, then it's up to the cities to control that. And I'm fully supportive of banning the use and discharge of fireworks. Unfortunately, some of my board wants to go a step further. They also want to ban manufacture and sales. So that means Tannerite, that you know, does the exploding targets, they also do fireworks. Their business is in rural Lane County. <laughs> Think that that might cause a small problem for them. Then you also think when you start talking sales, and I don't know where all the tents are that do the sales, but a lot of those tents are put up by nonprofits that use those firework sales to fund massive charitable ministries and other charitable organizations. And it's their large, I know for Crossfire, it's one of their largest fundraisers they do in the entire year. And they, we never know when fire season will be declared from one year to the next. Sometimes it's not till July 20th. Or, or August 1st. This year was one of the earliest fire seasons ever declared in June 16th. Those charitable organizations order the fireworks for their tents well in advance of the 4th of July season. Now, whether people can set them off or not, people will still buy from them to support the charity. And they'll store those fireworks maybe till New Year's Eve. Yeah, so I don't get why we have to have the manufacturing sale as part of that ban. During those closures, ODF doesn't allow you to, to smoke cigarettes out in the woods. That's banned. 
or have a campfire in undesignated area. That's banned. We don't ban the sale of cigarettes or, you know, the production of firewood during fire season. We just, it's the use that's the issue, not the manufacturers or the sale. You know, that's what should be banned. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that my board will listen to me. I, it seemed like um, it was another uh, split between the progressive and, the, and the, the conservative leaning. I won't even call us conservatives because I'm a libertarian and Pat Farr is a populist, uh, you know, rather than a conservative. Um, but the, the progressives um, both spoke in favor, the, the two most progressives, uh, Commissioner Buck and um, Commissioner Trigger both spoke in favor of including that, of keeping the uh, sales and manufacturer in the, the ordinance and the ban. So if you want to weigh in on that, August 24th, 1.30 p.m. And I see Robin has been waiting patiently to jump in about this probably. <laughs> No, I just wanted to uh, let people know that I found the governor's orders, and I also put it on our KRBN Facebook page if anybody wants to read them. Great. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. Along with the governor's phone number, 503-503. Remember that. Not 541-503. Just remember Portland-centric. 503-378-4582 and press 3 to uh, get the uh, the correct spot in the voicemail menu to leave her a message. Be polite, though. I had to remind people last time, no cuss words, don't get angry, be very polite, just advocate your point. So we are running up pretty close to the end of the show here on the Bose Nose Show, and I didn't even get to talk about, you know, dogs on a leash in Lane County Parks <laughs> and how it is amazing to me that people are willing to argue with a county commissioner who has talked to the head of the parks department about whether or not dogs are allowed off leash in Lane County Park or not. I'm sorry, unless it's a designated off-leash, fenced off-leash area, our park rules say dogs must be on a leash of no longer than six foot and under the control of their owner. That includes Dunwalt Park, folks. Just telling you. So with that, I think I'm just going to say thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for another edition of the Bose Nose Show. Who knows what we'll be talking about then? I would be, I would just be overjoyed to say, you know what? I pushed the panic button and our COVID numbers are dropping and Kick me in the butt, uh, and I'm sorry. But we'll see you next week. Coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week. Stay cool. Stay safe. Be careful with fire.